0: good morning it's good to see you guys here at city church Uh, before i get into my message for the day uh, i wanted to to say something about this weekend Uh, you know one of the things that we feel called to do as a church is to raise up the next generation of leaders of the church movement and so i'm excited personally to have our students taking over the weekend Uh, not only in here uh, you you may not know this but they also are providing a live band over in our kids city so our kids get to experience live worship as well and so i'm grateful to them for that and i thank you for helping us to raise up the next generation as a church i also wanted to say that i want to say something about this series and why we're doing a series like this because i know for some of you you don't wake up thinking oh i wish somebody would talk about the problems with christianity you know it's just not one of those felt need kind of things you have But I feel like it's important for us as a church uh, because of the kind of church we are to have a conversation with our culture and to address real issues our culture has with God and Christianity in particular. And so that is why we're doing this series because uh, we exist not just for church people, we exist for people who don't get church and don't go to church. And so in this series, we're uh, responding to some of the key problems that people have with Christianity, and we're seeking to answer some of the hardest questions people have about the Christian faith. And today we're going to look at probably the biggest problem that all, all of those who do believe in God have to face, and that is the pain of suffering. I believe one of the hardest questions to answer is why does a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? And so in a recent national poll, surveyors asked Americans this question. If you could ask God only one question, what would you ask? And the most common response was this. Why is there pain and suffering in the world? And people do suffer from disease, from violence, from natural disasters, from tragic accidents. People suffer from wars, from mass shootings from ethnic cleansing. People suffer from debilitating depression, from paralyzing fears, from overwhelming anxiety, mental illness. People suffer from broken relationships, from racism, from homelessness, hunger, and poverty. And all of those kinds of experiences of pain and suffering, I think rightly leads people to ask the question, Where is God in all of this? One college student expressed this problem well. She said, God allows terrible suffering in the world, so he might be either all-powerful but not good enough to end suffering or all-good but not powerful enough to end suffering. Either way, the all-good, all-powerful God of the Bible can't exist. Her boyfriend added, I won't believe in a God who allows suffering even if he or she or it exists. Maybe God exists, maybe not. But if he does, he can't be trusted. And while obviously I probably would not share their view on this, I do empathize with them. I get why people feel such strong feelings about suffering. Because suffering, let's just be honest, it's not just theoretical, it's not just philosophical, it's personal. We feel it. I feel it. I mean, I've experienced suffering. I've seen suffering. My, I lost two close family members to suicide who could not hang on to life because of their suffering. And I've seen suffering uh, with mental illness. I have a sister-in-law who, uh, all of her life, most of her life she struggled with mental illness and the after effects of medications that were meant to help her, they actually hurt her. And, you know, I've been honest with you guys about my mom's battle with stage four colon cancer a few years ago. Just the brutal suffering of chemotherapy and four surgeries. And, you know, with my mom, it wasn't facing death. Um, frankly, my, my mom was ready to face death. She, that was not what made it hard. What made it hard was the suffering. And she still has lingering effects from her treatment today. And one of the hardest parts of my job as a pastor is coming alongside people in their suffering and walking them through seasons of suffering. I've met with people who were rape victims, abuse victims. I've met with families after tragic car accidents suddenly take the life of a loved one. And it's very hard. It's very painful. I've prayed with people who are dying, people in their 40s, people in their 30s, people in their 20s, and even children. And sometimes in the middle of that kind of suffering, I wrestle with my own faith. Like, God, why? Why are you letting these people suffer? How have you responded to suffering? Do you know someone who is suffering? Maybe you're the one that is suffering. How are you handling your suffering? And how has suffering shaped your view of God? You know, as I as I prepared for this message, uh, you may not know this, but like I keep manuscripts of my messages. And I, I went back over decades of sermons that I've prepared, looking for any sermons where I may have addressed this subject as suffering. And you know what I found? I hadn't talked about suffering. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I don't know why. Maybe I didn't want to think about it. Maybe I didn't want to admit it. And so today I want to Unpack a Christian understanding of suffering and how to handle it before I do that though I do want to uh, talk about other faith systems and how they view suffering other world views so uh, so some faith systems Say that when people suffer It's because in some way they deserve it. Uh, the, The concept is called karma. You ever heard of that karma says that when a bad thing happens, it's, it's because of something you've done either in this life and in this faith system they believe in reincarnation. So it's either something bad you've done in this life or something bad you've done in another life. But for whatever reason, if bad things are happening, it's because you deserve it. You're getting what you deserve. Other faith systems say that suffering is all an illusion or what is called maya. Pain is uh, an illusion. Uh, suffering is an illusion. Evil is an illusion. And so this system says that everything is connected. Everything is really one. You just don't recognize it. This system says that God is not like a distinct being. He's God is more like this force. Everything has a divine essence in it. Every living thing, every inanimate thing. And that the way that you deal with suffering is through uh, meditation and mental awareness. You break free from the illusion that you are actually suffering because you're not. You see what I'm saying? And so, in essence, again, suffering is your fault. Now, atheists and agnostics, uh, I think, have a little bit... To, from my perspective, more logical view, they they their perspective in general is there is no reason for suffering, there is no purpose for suffering. So there just cannot be a reasonable, logical, loving God who has any power at all because if he did exist, he would do away with suffering. So what does Christianity say about suffering? And so I, I sort of went back as I did this study through the all of the scriptures. And what's interesting is, after the first two chapters of the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, that describes poetically God creating the universe and the world and people as we know it, from chapter 3 on is really the story of human suffering and people's relationship with God. I tried to, to find like anybody who didn't suffer that you know enough of their story, and everybody suffered. And so I just wanna highlight a couple of people as examples because I think it'll help us understand suffering or get a little bit uh, better understanding of suffering. So I wanna begin with one of the heroes from the very first book of the Bible. The first book of the Bible is Genesis. And this hero's name is Joseph. And so what I'm gonna do is give you the Brent's Notes version of his life. That's sort of like Cliff's Notes. You ever ever use Cliff's Notes? Come on, where are all my cheaters? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's like Cliff's Notes, but for the Bible. You ready? Here's Joseph's story. So Joseph had many brothers, 12 all together. And Joseph was his dad's favorite, and the other brothers knew it. And so the other brothers were jealous. They decided to kill Joseph. Instead of killing Joseph, they decided to make money off of him, and they sold him as a slave, an example of of human trafficking in ancient times. So Joseph began to suffer. But God was with Joseph as a slave. He eventually ended up in a prominent household and ended up in a prominent position in that household. But someone falsely accused him of a crime and he ended up in prison for years for something he didn't do. He did the right thing and ended up in prison for years. But God was with him in prison. God gave him the ability to interpret dreams. And he interpreted a dream about a famine that was coming. The king of Egypt heard about it, pulled him out of prison, put him in charge of his empire to prepare his people for the famine. Well, the famine did come. And eventually, Joseph's brothers were impacted by the famine. So they came to Egypt where Joseph was living. They did not know that. And they were looking for food. Oh, and Joseph got the opportunity to get even. Instead, he got perspective. He forgave his brothers, and he reflected on the suffering he had faced with these words. This is Genesis 50, 20. You meant evil against me. He's speaking to his brothers. But God (coughs) intended it for good in order to bring about the saving of many lives. And here's what Joseph's telling us there. He finally saw the purpose for his suffering. You see, sometimes suffering does serve a purpose. It doesn't always serve a purpose. And so please, everybody, hear me in that? All suffering doesn't serve serve a purpose, but sometimes suffering serves a purpose. In this case, God used the pain of uh, Joseph's suffering to save many lives, including the lives of his own family. But, and this this is the part I want us to get from Joseph's story, Joseph didn't know that when he was chained to a camel walking as a slave to Egypt to be sold to the highest bidder. He didn't know there would be a purpose to this, and he didn't know there would be a purpose to his suffering when he was languishing in a prison for a crime he didn't commit, wondering if he would ever get out. But he eventually got there, and he experienced God in his suffering. God didn't always rescue him from his suffering immediately. But he experienced God in his suffering. And Joseph chose to trust God in his suffering. You see, even in suffering, Joseph believed God was there, that God is here, that God does care. And he put his trust in God in his suffering. And if you're suffering, I want you to know God is there. God is here. He does care. And you can trust him. Now i want us to look at another character Uh, most scholars believe that the oldest book in the jewish and christian scriptures you know the, the the old and the new testament is not actually the book of genesis which sort of begins the story it's actually the book of job and so what's interesting about the book of job if you're not familiar with it is the entire book of job addresses one issue and it is the issue of why do people suffer and so it's interesting to me that the oldest book in the Bible addresses the biggest question people have ever had about God and people and life. Why does God let good people suffer? So I'm going to give you the, the Brent, Brent's Notes version of Job's life. Can I do that? Okay. You ready? So Job is a good guy. He's faithful to God. He's faithful to people. He does the right thing. This is a good guy. If anybody's a good guy, this is a good guy. Satan comes to God and says, well, let me tell you why he's so good, because you protected him. You've not let him suffer. If he suffered, he would curse you and treat people like crap. And so God lets Job suffer a lot. He loses most of his family. He loses most of his property. He loses his own health and has horrible, painful, bleeding sores all over his body. Job has some friends show up to console him. Good friends, right? Right? They come to console Job, but guess what they do? They open their mouths and start talking. They start trying to answer the question, why would a good God let bad bad things happen to good people? And you know what their answer was? You did something. Because a good God wouldn't let bad things happen to good people, so you must have done something wrong. You're getting what you deserve. And for hours and hours, which turned apparently into days and days, Job's friends who came to console him instead confront him. And tell him you did something wrong that's why God's getting you and Job, as his friends are making this argument with him he gets madder and madder because he says you know what no I really didn't do anything wrong why would a good God let all these bad things happen to me I'm a good person well eventually God shows up and we don't know how in some tangible way to Job and his friends they knew God was speaking and God appears to Job's friends and he basically says, that, this is the Brent Notes version, shut up, you guys are idiots. <laughs> and then he turns to Job and he says, I was with you. When times were good, I was with you. And when you were suffering, I was with you there too. And it's Job's response to God and to what God told Job that I believe is the climactic point in the story. And it's what I think we are supposed to get from the book of Job, because this is what Job said back to God. He said this before I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes see you. Job had experienced God in a new way, in a more tangible way in his suffering than he ever did when everything was going great. And because of that experience with God, Job's faith in God grew more, and his love for God grew more. And, and, I'm, and I just thought of this, so I'm, I'm going to say it to you, all right? Over my 30 years as a pastor, when I talk to people about when their faith grew the most, when they grew the most as people, I've never had people say, oh, it was when everything was going great, no problems, everything was super. That's when I grew the most. Almost all the time, people say it was through this, this very challenging season of pain. And that's when my faith grew the most. And that's what Job experienced as well. Now, author Philip Yancey wrote a book based on Job's life and the message of of Job called Disappointment with God. And I would say if this is an issue for you, you know, it it is for a lot of us. And that's okay. And if you want someone who's like unpacks The Challenge of Human Suffering. This is a great book. The best book I've ever read on the subject. Anyway, in this book, he unpacks what he believes is the message of Job, the essence of the message. This is what he said. The more important battle for all of us takes place inside of us. Will we trust God even in suffering? Job teaches that at the moment when faith is hardest and least likely, then faith is most needed. Job's struggle shows the remarkable truth that our choices matter, not just to us in our own destiny, but amazingly to God himself. God is with you in your suffering. And your life matters, even the painful parts. And if you can trust God in times of suffering, I believe you will experience him in greater ways, just like Job did. He said, before I heard things about you. I heard, of, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear. I heard some stuff about But in his suffering, he saw God. And I believe you will see him too. Now, throughout scriptures, you see one story after another, one person after another, many of them good people who faced suffering. That's really the story of the whole Old Testament. All the way up until Jesus. Now there's a problem there. You know what I'm saying? Because if a good God doesn't let bad things happen to good people, well, Jesus is a problem. Because according to the Christian faith, Jesus is God in the flesh. And according to the Christian faith, Jesus. Never did anything wrong. He never sinned. He never did anything bad. Like even in his teenage years. Wow. hmm We believe he did no wrong. And so, follow me. Are you, you follow me? So, if a good God doesn't let bad things happen to good people, there's no one gooder than Jesus. But he did suffer. And he predicted his own suffering. And I think there's something we have to wrestle with there. And so I want us to go to the scene where he predicts his suffering. And so let me set it up. Uh, Jesus is about two and a half years into his earthly ministry. He has many people following him, but he, but he also has like an inner circle of close friends, close disciples. And so he gets that inner circle together and he asks them, hey, who do people say that I am? And they said they, they gave some options. People aren't really sure. You know, they think you could be this person or that and then he said, okay, but who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up for the group, and he says, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And in essence, Jesus said, that's right. And then Jesus told them two things. He told them about this movement he was going to start called the church, that he wanted to, to spread the news about who he is. I am the Son of the living God. And I want you all to go tell people about who I am. But as soon as he said that, Jesus made a prediction. You ready? This is Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time on, once they identified who he was, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised back to life. Jesus predicted his own suffering. In fact, his suffering is why he came. There was purpose to his suffering, perhaps the greatest purpose ever, the forgiveness of sins. But if you notice, Jesus also could see beyond his suffering to the resurrection. And that gave him hope to endure the suffering he faced. And so in essence, I want us to get this. Jesus was telling his disciples, I am a really good guy. And something bad is going to happen. And I'm at peace with that. Well, Peter wasn't. And so Peter pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him. You ready? This is verse 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Through this rebuke, Peter is expressing the belief that so many people have had throughout the centuries and so many people have today. No, no, no. God is not that way. A good God won't let bad things happen to good people. And and Jesus, you're good. And so, no, I don't accept that. Have you ever thought that? Well, after Peter rebuked Jesus, Jesus rebuked him back. And this is what Jesus said, okay? So now Jesus moves from predicting his own suffering to talking about potential suffering we might face. This is verse 24 and 25. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Here, Jesus refers to the instrument that literally would cause his own suffering, and he uses it to become a metaphor for suffering that we may face if we follow after him. And yet, he still calls us to take up our own crosses, our own burdens of potential suffering, and to follow him. Why? Why would we do that? It was the last part of what he said because he wants us to experience the life that is truly life. And sometimes the life that is truly life involves suffering. And Jesus did suffer. He submitted to his Father's will and he allowed himself to suffer on our behalf. And what I want us to see through his suffering is, is his suffering reveals to us something about who he is. It's something about God's identity, It's something about who God is, because Christianity alone claims that God became one of us and lived among us and chose to suffer just like we do. Jesus suffered rejection, loneliness, persecution, poverty, grief, false assumptions, unjust imprisonment, physical pain, abuse, and ultimately death. Our God is not just some distant God who doesn't understand suffering. Christianity believes that God became one of us and suffered with us so he could be with us in our suffering. If the cross tells us anything, it tells us that for those of us who believe. And, and, and I want to say something. Okay, so now I'm going to speak specifically to those of you who do believe and all this stuff I'm talking about, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he suffered for us. And I think it should change our expectations follow follow with me I think a part of what causes so much pain when we suffer is our expectations that we won't suffer I think if we go through life knowing that there will be some times where we will face suffering and we will help others who are facing suffering I think that changes our expectations so I want to make sure we get this neither Jesus nor any of his disciples ever told people that a good god will not let bad things happen to good people i mean think about it the the church movement the christian movement began with a horrible experience crucifixion and then all of the first leaders of the church they all faced persecution themselves and many of them died brutal deaths after being persecuted for much of their lives if if the If Jesus' version of Christianity was a good God doesn't let bad things happen to good people, Christianity would have never made it out of the first century. But it did. Because that was never the essence of the Christian message. And I believe we have to change our expectations that if God is good, He won't let us suffer. God is good. So now I'm going to make it an affirmation. God is good. And it's He's good, not because he doesn't allow us to suffer. He is good because he comes alongside us in our suffering. And he will be with us when we suffer. That is why God is good. So I want to go back to the question, the original question, okay? Why is there pain and suffering in this world? As I have walked through the scriptures and looked at different people's experiences of pain and suffering... I think I have to say to you, I'm I'm just going to be honest with you, I don't know the answer to that particular question asked in that way. Sometimes there was purpose in suffering and sometimes there wasn't. What I do know is what the answer is not. You following me? The answer is not that God is not here. The answer is not that God does not care. The answer is not that God does not love us. God Takes our suffering so seriously that he was willing to suffer himself not only so that our sins could be forgiven but also so that he can draw near to us when we suffer as a sympathetic Savior that's the God we believe in that is the God we serve and so I want to say something to those of you who may know someone who is suffering Please don't do what Job's friends did. You know what I mean? You you wanna you wanna try to answer the question why people are suffering? And it, it doesn't help people like you know, Joseph's friends said, Well, come on, you probably deserve it. Come on. You know, God is just trying to teach us something. Someone surely has it worse than you, so keep perspective. Just count your blessings, at least you're still alive. Oh, you've heard that too. Please, please don't say stuff like that. If someone is suffering, come alongside that person. Identify with them in their suffering. Pray for the person. If you can alleviate any part of their suffering, obviously do that. But more than anything else, just be there with that person in their suffering. And then if you are the one who is suffering, I want to help you face your suffering the way Jesus faced his. So when Jesus hung on the cross, enduring unspeakable suffering, he cried out the first verse of a psalm. A psalm he probably memorized as a teenager. Now if you're not familiar with the psalms, the psalms are a gathering of Poems and songs and prayers filled with raw emotion. And some of them uh, expressed audacious praise to God. And some of them expressed desperate cries and complaints to God. But all of them expressed faith in God. And there on the cross, Jesus cried out, Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment of suffering, he called out to his Father. And he experienced his Father God in his suffering. At at, at the moment when his faith should have been the smallest, it was the greatest. And he experienced God his Father in his suffering. And if you're suffering, I want to lead you in a prayer. The prayer that Jesus prayed so that you can experience God in your suffering. So I'm going to ask if everybody would close your eyes and honor everybody's privacy. Um, I'm going to turn to Psalm 22. And uh, if you're suffering, if you're over in the video cafe, if you're suffering today, I just want you to let me know because I'm going to pray for you. Just slip up your hand. And then once I see you, you can put your hand down. Okay, I see your hand over here. Yes. Okay, thank you. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, yes, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am. Okay, yes. Oh, wow. Yes, okay. All right, you can put your hands down. I'm going to lead you to pray the prayer Jesus prayed in his suffering. So I'm just going to walk you through it. And you just, just whisper this as your prayer as I lead you through. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. I cry by night, but I find no rest. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Oh Lord. I pray, oh, sorry. Lord, I do pray uh, for those who are suffering. (laughs) Please, please, Lord, draw near to all who suffer. We do believe you understand. And so we ask you to give us strength and to stir up faith in our hearts and give us strength to endure. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh man. I could I'm sorry, I just I'm sorry. Um I just want you to know that your church is here for you when you suffer. Um, you know, Scott told you on Wednesday night, uh, we're, we're going to be having a service here, and we're going to take a portion of the service and pray for people individually who are suffering. We're going to anoint you with oil. And, and let me say, I, I, I didn't talk about this in my message, but there, there is a part of Jesus' earthly ministry. That was and is about alleviating some people's suffering. And so we're going to ask. We're going to ask God to alleviate some of our suffering. He won't, he won't take it all away. but He's going to take some people's suffering away. And we're going to ask. We're going to ask in faith. We do believe in things like that here. And so, uh, so I do invite you to join us on Wednesday. And then our prayer team is going to be available here in front. We believe in the power of prayer. You don't have to wait till Wednesday. You can ask somebody to pray for you right now. Uh, and so I encourage you to, to do that. If the Lord's not finished with you yet, uh, God bless you. Thank you. Go in peace. We'll see you next week.